Let us pray together. O God, silence in us any voice but yours and open us to your love. And in this hour, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be acceptable in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. There's a great image that appears near the end of the Bible. Having taught his followers all that they should know about being his disciples, at the end of the Bible, Jesus himself comes to the door of the church and knocks. Christians who have altar calls in church love this image. They ask people each week to make a decision about giving their lives over to Jesus, and they make use of this verse frequently. They ask, will you open the door to Jesus, or will you leave him outside knocking? They love this image. We don't mention it nearly as much around here, and I have to admit, I thought about making an ironic joke about Knox Church, but I just couldn't do it. We don't talk about this image very much, and that's too bad because it is a great and thought-provoking image, and it need not be so individualistic. It's actually intended for us to think about it together as a church. The image of Jesus knocking at the door of the church comes in the book of Revelation, and it is written in response to an indictment against one of the earliest churches, a congregation in Laodicea. Their problem was not that they were hot or cold about their faith. It was that they were lukewarm about it. So the illustration as it would play out is that Jesus comes to the door and knocks. And in churches like that one, that lukewarm church, the door may not be locked. And maybe it's even cracked open a little. But it's just that no one goes running to the door to see who is there. And that's a problem because this time it's Jesus. There are plenty of examples of this kind of thinking of this uh, same lesson throughout the Bible. In the Gospel of Matthew, there is a place where Jesus tells a story of a king who says, Welcome, all of you. Welcome into my kingdom Welcome because I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. And his listeners ask, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food or thirsty and gave you something to drink? When was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you were naked and gave you clothing when was it that we saw you in sick or in prison and visited you? And the king answers them, Truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Anyone who stands at the door of one of our churches and knocks might be Jesus. And so the church must never be lukewarm. We should always be running to the door to see who is there. 
Don't be lukewarm about your faith. That's the lesson. And it comes to us also in the words of Scripture we heard this morning. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Many of us have heard these words before. Maybe you know a little bit of historical context that explains them. Salt was an essential thing in the ancient world. It was a preservative. It was used to sustain life. So it was necessary. But salt did more than that. The image is more complicated than simple preservation. Today, just the same as always, salt gives food flavor. And that's what we're called to do in our faith, to live lives that have some flavor and to be sure that other people are able to do the same. Today, just the same as always, salt also makes you thirsty. So as we do the work of making life more flavorful, our efforts, if they are done most faithfully, should make others hunger and thirst for more of the same. The image of light works most the same way. You are the light of the world. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under a bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all of the house. One of our longtime members here at Knox, Elder Kathy Wall, loves to say to me, Adam, Knox does too good a job of hiding our lamp under a bushel. When she says that, she's telling me about what a great church she thinks we have and that she thinks Knox is Cincinnati's best-kept secret. And she thinks we should be doing a better job of letting folks know about the ministries that are happening here. I can see her point. And certainly I don't disagree that Knox Church is a place worth talking about, but there are layers to this image about light, just like the one about salt. There are lots of churches out there that are concerned with shining their light so that others can see exactly what they're doing, even if they're not paying much attention to the quality or the purpose of the light or what it's shining upon. And that's a good reminder that light isn't just about being seen. Light is about making an impact in darkness. Just as the salt analogy is meant to teach us about adding good flavor to life and thirsting to do more of the same, the light analogy pushes us to think critically about how much of an impact we're making in the dark places of life. I'll openly admit to you, I'm not always as attentive to my personal prayer life as I should be. I need to be reminded about it periodically, we all do. I was convicted about that in a particular way this past week, and I've rededicated myself to some prayer and meditation practices that I have been neglecting. One of them is a candle meditation. You take a candle, and by staring at the flame and studying it intently in various ways, you practice focusing your mind and heart. It's meant to remove distractions that get in the way in times of prayer. I told myself I was going to do this exercise this past Thursday morning because I hadn't done it in quite a long time. And then I realized 
that in my house, which has a window in almost every room, there was nowhere that was dark enough for me to do the meditation effectively. And having already made a a commitment to myself that I did need to do this and I was going to do it on Thursday morning, I wound up sitting on the floor in the bathroom with the door shut because it was the only place that was dark enough for the light to do its work. And that's kind of a silly thing to tell you, but I couldn't think of a better way to illustrate the point. Light matters when there is genuine darkness around and we as a congregation are meant to seek out place of places of darkness if our light is really going to matter. And that's why we do the things that we do as a church. At this morning's annual meeting of our congregation, we talked about outreach efforts we're doing in the poorest and most violent zip codes in Cincinnati. We talked about building schools in parts of Uganda where there are currently no schools at all. These are places where there is darkness in need of God's light. In our pastoral ministries here at Knox, we seek out those of you who are struggling with illness and grief and depression and addiction. We hope for Knox Church not to be a place of hiding our needs and our imperfections in shame but where we can lean on each other in honesty and openness, knowing that no one among us is perfect. Christ's light shines all the brighter in the work that we share when we are willing to go to dark places in life. And when we do the work of taking the light and salt of faith to those who need it, it's God's light. It's not ours. We are not perfect possessors of the light of God, taking it to people who are entirely in darkness. And in fact, we always end up receiving light in the places where we go. The people we serve in places like East Westwood and rural Uganda show much more light to me than I could ever show to them. And in my pastoral visits with all of you, I learn much more from your honest grief and struggles than I am ever able to offer to you. And that kind of thing is a good reminder whenever you take communion. Because at the communion table, we are helped by God Not in a call to perfection or flawlessness. No, when we come to the table, we come hearing words that Jesus spoke long ago. This is my body. It is broken for you. We come to know Jesus not through perfection, but through his brokenness. His willingness for us to see God in human form in full humanity. We see light most purely when we are willing to be honest about darkness. We appreciate salt most when there is a need for flavor. The author Annie Dillard writes, you do not have to sit outside in the dark. But if you want to be able to look at the stars, you will find that darkness is necessary. 
On this day when we gather at Christ's table and when we have gathered for our annual meeting, we are called to consider how we might feel if Christ came to our door and knocked. And remember, my friends, that Jesus does not come here or anywhere else looking for perfect lives. Jesus comes looking for someone who will open the door to him and to anyone else who may come in his name. I'm grateful that all of you are here gathering with me. We may not be quite perfect in our gathering, and that's fine. We are simply here together so that there are enough of us, so that there is enough love in the room that no matter where you find yourself on this day, there is always someone among us who is ready to open the door. Amen.